Good afternoon and welcome to the City View podcast for me, Andy Sylvester, editor here at City AM, joined by a couple of our dream team of reporters, Jack Barnett, our economics and markets correspondent, and Nicholas Earle, energy, commodities and things that move across the world and power the global economy correspondent. Um, plenty of corporate news around today. Um, good news-ish for Royal Mail. Uh, very good news for Young's, although apparently the Sunday roast may be in trouble as a result of higher prices, with chicken being subbed out for pork in many restaurants. And also news from the City of London, which is embarking on a programme to make the city a more attractive leisure destination as well as a business destination as we all get used to a post-pandemic world. Um, But really, much of the chatter today at least, and Jack will be coming to you right now, around a market sell-off started last night on Wall Street, continued really throughout the rest of the world today. Uh, yes, very much so. So yesterday was a pretty awful session uh, on Wall Street. Uh, one of the worst in recent memory. I think I think um, indexes had their worst day since June 2020. So you can imagine, cast your mind back to then, the world was very much in the teeth of the pandemic. So the NASDAQ was down over 4%. The S&P and Dow Jones were both down nearly Four percent as well, and that set off is extended across the pond into London. The mm. FTSE 100 down about two percent today, and the 250 also down nearly two percent as well. Now, I think the main drivers for that set off are pretty much mirrored across each markets. Uh, it's very much these recession fears are now spreading throughout investors' mindsets, um, mainly driven by the fact that inflation on on both sides of the pond is extremely mm. high, and people are expecting this slow down consumer spending, a potential tip into a recession. Yeah, markets are funny like that, right? Because we've known for some time that the growth figures at the back end of this year were pretty grim. Um, was it just a case of waiting for the first, yeah, waiting for that mood to just hit markets and and basically people just saying, ah, yep, no, this is the moment. Today is the day we're getting out. Yeah, we did. I've, you're obviously right to say that a lot of this has been baked in. A lot of it has been, um, it's been trailed, particularly over the last six weeks or so. But I think we had a quite a big trigger um, in the US in the form of um, two enormous um, bellwethers of the US consumer. Um, We have Walmart and Target, enormous retailers, both warning that consumers seem to be pulling back in response to price rises. Mm. You're starting to see that, you know, sort of in in economics um, jargon, it's called elasticity of demand. So the greater, it's, it's how responsive consumers are to changes in price and you're seeing at the moment that um, there's early signs of higher prices are starting to wane on demand which is obviously going to have quite severe implications for growth and by virtue of that severe implications for stock performances. Yeah of course and equities I mean we've talked about this on the podcast before I've talked about it with Michael Hewson from CMC Markets quite a bit and also Victoria Scholar over Interactive Investor. Uh, There has been this sort of slight disconnect I think between equity markets in particular and the feeling in the economy, what analysts are saying about the back end of the year. Because if you had told an alien coming down to earth all of the things that are happening right now, you know, you've got a war on European soil, which is massively disrupting food and energy supply chains, two things that I think we can all agree are pretty important um, across the across the world, combined with the global economy switching back on post-pandemic, combined with one crucial part of the world, China, still hanging around in COVID, still embarking on a zero COVID um, strategy, which is resulting in mass lockdowns, gum ups at at ports. If you told an alien all of that, an alien who was cognizant of stock markets, 
that equities were still doing okay this year, they'd say, well, why? Is it just that the way that the markets are balanced, particularly in the UK, the FTSE being one obvious example, with the kind of old economy, energy giants, et cetera, is, is that what's sort of kept equity markets afloat, I suppose, this year? And maybe this is now just a, a correction, basically, um, not in the technical term, but a correction uh, from a year of, so far at least, of possibly misplaced optimism? Yeah, I think there's there's a couple of things going on here. You're definitely right to point to the fact that the composition of, of um, US stock markets and UK stock markets are very different. Um, Wall Street is a lot deeper. Um, it has a lot more variety. So for instance, you've obviously got a lot of tech um, darlings listed on the NASDAQ, and then you've got the more sort of conventional stocks on the Dow, and then the S&P is just mm. more, more broad-based. Um, and then over here on the FTSE, it's very, very heavily reliant on industrial firms, mainly energy providers like the likes of BP and Shell, who have actually benefited, as we've seen from mm. um, their earnings recently, from the the price spike um, in energy prices, which is now feeding through to weaker consumer demand. So I think you've now got a catch-up of those headwinds that you were pointed to there now starting to, you can see the signs of it starting to emerge in corporate earnings where, you you know, we had the, the previous chance of corporate earnings that we had were still kind of being distorted by COVID effects, base effects, loads oh, yeah. of people posting really, really good revenue bumps, really good profit bumps. Now it's the forward guidance that investors are mm. looking at. And a lot of companies are now coming out and saying, listen, we're probably going to be in for a tough time over the next year or so. Margins are not going to be as wider as what they've been. Profits mm. might shrink a little bit. Revenue might shrink a little bit, so I think investors have kind of been spooked from that forward guidance from from some of the big players in Wall Street and in London. Yeah, margins going to be squeezed very tight for obvious reasons because you have got pressure at both ends, right? You've got the supply, the cost of the supply chain going up significantly, and you've also got an inability really at the top end to push prices too high because of the economic headwinds that we've spoken to. If you're a supermarket. You know, you are right in the middle of this, right? You can't put prices up significantly because consumers, more price conscious than ever, will disappear off elsewhere. But at the same time, your suppliers are saying we can't produce the goods at the same prices. So, a lot of uh, a lot of organisations um, started to see it in the US with Target and Walmart both mm-hmm. missing fairly dramatically in recent days. Um, definitely one to watch. Jack, thanks so much for joining us as ever. You mentioned, uh, Jack mentioned there the. The profits that the energy giants uh, are making, BP and Shell, most quoted. Um, so probably a good time to check in with Nick about where we are with the windfall tax because this week there has been, I think, a bit of movement, more movement than we've seen for a while from the Conservative Party in that direction. Yes, yeah, so there's been continued talks of a rift within the Conservative Party between Rishi Sunak and the Treasury, who is reportedly open at least to keeping it on the table as an idea. And then Boris Johnson, who is concerned it would deter investment and also concerns within the Conservative Party generally that it's not an ideologically conservative mm. thing to do. But that also contrasts with the kind of spirit of the day, as it were, which is the polling shows that it's actually a very popular policy. And therefore, you're in the rock and a hard place between conservative principle and what they think might actually win votes as the Conservative Party scrambles, not just to resolve the cost of living crisis, but to claw back any credibility following its dismal last six months in the political landscape. Yeah, well, parking the prospects of the Conservative Party at election time. Um, Rishi Sinek out and about yesterday telling business he was on their side. I think the most interesting thing there is, and by the way, 
I'm going to disagree with you, Nick. Things that are popular and do not necessarily make good policy. Um, the death penalty remains uh, a, a popular policy in the United Kingdom. I don't think we would describe that as a good idea necessarily. Um, how much of this has been, this windfall tax pressure, has been brought on by the energy giants themselves? Thinking not necessarily of Shell, but BP, Bernard Looney, famously describing the company as a cash machine. Last year, I don't think went down particularly well. And then a couple of weeks ago, essentially saying, you know, to paraphrase, come and have a go if you think you're hard enough uh, to government in the aftermath of of pretty bumper results. Um, Could they have played a slightly better hand, do you think? Yeah. BP and Shell have committed vast sums of money to Mm. the UK's energy infrastructure over the next 10 years. BP are pledging £18 billion by end of decade, Shell £25 billion. But when it was put to uh, Bernard Looney, um, I think by Emily Gosden in the Times, saying, uh, would you still uh, invest in the UK if a windfall tax came on? He sort of fell into the trap and said, oh, of course we'd still invest in the UK. And then he later corrected it about a week later when he said, well, you know, if the tax environment becomes unpredictable, Mm. um, this means actually there would just naturally be less investment in the North Sea oil and gas sector. It's worth noting as well, of course, that it's not just BP and Shell who have been sort of, you know, expressing their positions. Offshore Energies UK wrote to Business Secretary Kwasi Kwarteng uh, earlier this week, and Deirdre Mitchell, Chief Executive, said that it was important that the tax regime remained consistent so that there'd be a stable environment for ramping up energy production, which of course is a seriously important factor for the government to consider when energy security is so instrumental to weaning itself off Russian gas and unreliable mm. overseas buyers and driving down the cost of bills in the long term. Yeah, well, as you know, I'm no fan of a windfall tax um, and I think it's an incredibly bad idea. And to me, we have results out from National Grid today yeah. um, who have made a killing in recent months. I think it's fair to say profits of £4 billion the last year, was it? Yeah, £4 billion. Pounds. It's difficult for me then to see the argument that if you're going to go after BP and Shell as a as a tax raid, Surely, you know, at what point do we start describing which bits of the energy market are are in this tax and which bits aren't? Because you look at National Grid's profits, brilliant company, well run by John Pettigrew. Um, and we're saying that they wouldn't be hit by a windfall tax, but why wouldn't they be if you start making this precedent? That presumably is the problem that most people in British business are thinking is, you know, if you start with one company doing particularly well, one small part of an industry doing particularly well and say, right, we'll have that, then it, it isn't a very positive investment environment. There's also a question of fairness, of course, which is that BP and Shell suffered huge losses mm. during the pandemic and no one was offering them some kind of bailout in that situation. And it's also worth noting about windfall taxes that, of course, North Sea operating companies actually pay over double the corporation tax rate of yeah. other corporations domestically pay 40%, not 19 So it's, it's, it's a levy on top of a levy, what we're talking about here. Um, and of course, there are legitimate business concerns to have with imposing something like this to ameliorate the cost of living crisis rather than actually focusing on long-term strategic ways of driving down energy bills, such as energy efficiency, mm. which um, I might be hinting at later. Yeah, later a feature coming, uh, coming next week. Well, I mean, one of the delights of being in a newspaper is you get to have conversations like this in news conference every day. And as I always say to actually both of you, cut taxes. That is the answer to the cost of living crisis. Um, but we will leave that for now. We can talk about that at length. And I dare say we will in the, in the coming weeks and months because 
rising prices and not going away, to say the least. Um, Nick, Jack, thanks for joining us. And that's all from me uh, this week. Tomorrow will be our usual tech special with Nassim Silva and Charlie Conchi. Uh, but from me, have a wonderful weekend. I'll see you next week.